Hello. <laughs> I'm going to do that again. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken here alongside David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I, I don't know why I went so high pitched, but it was necessary to answer the question, apparently. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Good intro. Good intro. Huddersfield Town lost to Norwich at the weekend. Dave, what did you make of it? Um, I, I thought... It was it was a worrying performance for me. Um, in that I don't think Town played particularly badly, uh, and I think there was a sort of lot of indicators of what they're trying to do going forward. But there was also <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the same old, same old, really. Yeah, I mean, it was a real mixed reaction in the press box, as I've said in various places. Because and and I can name him now that he's been on the radio and done it. But Matt Glennon was was pretty glowing about it after the game. I I feel like you were maybe the 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 sort of the most downbeat and most concerned Dave um, out of anyone that I spoke to. And then there are a couple of neutrals who I spoke to as well from the football league paper and and elsewhere who who felt that just town were more of the same and and looked very pedestrian. Um, I I'm sort of more towards that last school of thought, but. Go on, try and convince me that that was worse than I think it was. It's not that it was worse. It was it was more the fact that Town did a lot of things right. Um, they they contained Norwich very well. Um, it was quite an interesting performance tactically because of of what they did with Dear Carby in that they they moved him back to fullback and got Toff basically to man mark whoever was playing in the ten role. So it was Campwell at first, then Campwell switched with Dowell and Toff um, basically stayed on whoever was in that ten just to try and nullify uh, Norwich getting anything through to to Pukki that was too easy. Um, but the problem is the tail of the tape. You have to say that Town played okay, you know, and and it was interesting, but they were still nowhere near. And that, for me, is the worrying aspect of it because I, I don't think there is a... I, I don't think Town have got, like, three or four more gears to go through, whereas Norwich, I think, quite clearly had another couple of gears. I think if, if Norwich have won a couple of games... Going into that, I think it could have been three nil, and everybody would have been a lot more downbeat. But like Norwich had sixteen shots to Town seven, five shots on target to Town's one shot on target. Norwich had fifty-two percent possession, which was slightly by design because Town played most of that game like the away side, which I understand with the threat of Norwich. But Norwich had more passes, better passing accuracy. It, it was they had seven corners to Town's three. It's that almost redundancy of Towns attacking that is just really, really worrying to me. In that, as I said, I'm not worried from the point of view I came in there thinking, oh, that's an absolutely terrible performance, as I had did do, say, after the Luton game or the Rochdale game. Um, but it's more that I just I just don't think this squad and this first team has got an ability to, to really push that on, to push everything on by like the sort of realistically 20% it needs or more to get somewhere close this year. And it's it, it's becoming a worry because it's not just about recruitment. You, you can't just say, right, well, we've got to go out and sign six players and everything's all right. It's not about that. It, it, there has to be a point where you get more of a tune out of some of the players that are there. 
and it, it's whether any of them are going to step up to the plate because that was that was the other thing I thought there was a couple of individual performances there that were slightly worrying I'm going to let you talk about Pritchard for a minute yeah I mean he's I know that the other podcast have said that he was as bad a signing as as Dear Carbine and Benza or has been I mean th- this is a player we're talking about Alex Pritchard who he's actually been at town longer than he's been at any of his other clubs now so you're almost making an argument that this is not the you know the exception it's not like he's not had time and he's made half as many I looked at the stats last night he's made the same number of assists as Diakabi has in twice as many games and you know people hammer Diakabi for his lack of creativity and it's I feel a bit for Pritchard because obviously a lot of his games were played in the Premier League, which, to be honest, I think is maybe slightly above his level. I think the the evidence from his his previous clubs is that he's sort of was a leading Championship player, but maybe not a Premier League player. One of those who sort of fits, sort of falls in between the gaps, and that should be a boon for Huddersfield Town. You know, you, you, if Town had the Alex Pritchard of five years ago, I don't think we'd be talking quite so much about the. The attacking issues that they have. I think the injury that he had last year has really sort of set him back. There's there's been there was some implication from from Danny Cowley last season that perhaps he was struggling a bit with the the, the mental side of recovering from an injury, which I really you know that that is not a criticism of him at all because it must be horrible to feel like your knee is going to go at any minute and you can't get that out of your head. It must be horrible and it's it's obviously going to hold back your play. I think we're seeing that he's that he's getting a bit more comfortable with his knee because we're getting more and more minutes out of him, but there still just isn't that creativity there. That, you know, that ability to make a pass out of nothing or ping one into the far top corner from 25 yards that we saw from him at, at Brentford and Norwich. And it it's getting to a point now where it's like do Town need to cut their losses with with Alex Pritchard, or are they going to get something out of him? Because to be fair to him, I think defensively he offers quite a lot. Actually, um, it's it's funny is is as a player is almost on a complete about turn because his his work in the press and his tackling is actually really good, but he's just not offering enough creativity in the final third. Do, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think it's very fair. I think he, I I'm I'm not down as down on him as perhaps Andy takes that chance. So. And I sort of, I completely understand that one of the big things about that injury is just the general weirdness of it, in that mm-hmm. it's not like a, a, I mean, even if you get like a bad cruciate ligament injury, you, there's a sort of an established framework for treatment and timelines, etc. His injury was so weird that at one point, I remember the Cowley saying, they were literally having to monitor it on a sort of week-to-week basis. And his training was having to be, was, was very individualised because they were worried about overloading it so the problem is it's been such a massive um thing in his mind that obviously it is going to take a while to to go but it's the it his passing feels really stilted at the moment Mm. it's he's not admittedly he needs players around him to when he gets into that sort of number 10 position which he's not really playing in in Carlos's system but when he gets into an attacking positions the little flicks etc he hasn't got players making those runs and getting inside so I understand that but it's the the very limited he, he doesn't take the risks that you want from a creative midfielder creative midfielders have to not they have to not be scared of getting things wrong because their whole role is to take risks because it's risks that bring goals and he's just become very gone into his shell really um and i don't 
quite know how that gets turned round. I, I would hope, I still think there's a very good championship player in there, but I don't know how you get that out at this stage. He's 27, he should be going into mm. the peak of his career at this point. And it's such a shame because he was, you know, as uh, when you're covering multiple different clubs as I did when I used to do the Football League paper you, you you aren't really a fan of any particular team but you will pick up on certain players and, and become a fan of them um, so I had it with Anthony Pilkinson for instance sort of you know 10 years ago and and one of them that I had you know a big I, I got a bit big football crush on was Alex Pritchard and he was brilliant at Brentford he was you know I think he was on loan from Tottenham at the time and he was there were games where he was genuinely unplayable he was the best player on the pitch and it looked like oh he's going to be playing Premier League one day because he, he just had that ability to do something out of nothing and that 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 sort of seems to have have gone now um and as you say it's he, he's been through several different managers they've tried him in several different positions and no, nothing's coming out of him yet and and it does sort of feel like this this central midfield role he's got now under Corbran, he he has to make this work really. Yeah, but if he's going to have any future at Town, I think. And I don't, I don't think it's a position that Town can afford him not to work in because recruitment is proving difficult. They're after a midfielder, but they're not after a midfielder for the Pritchard role, really. From no. from what we can see, so Pritchard has got to work for half of this season at least. And as I said, I'd not, I've not given up on him. It's not like I think. No. I think he's become a bad player. I I before the Norwich game I was speaking to Andrew Lorne who runs a Norwich fanzine. Um and they they were worried about this game. Uh believe it or not. I know some town fans will snigger at that, but Norwich were on an equally bad run. And you could see that as well. Um they they were just desperate for a win any way they could get it. And they were petrified of Pritchard. <laughs> He, he was saying that, you know, Pritchard, when he was there, was just... There were games where he was unplayable. And I I think you're right. It's like he's gone into the Premier League and it's just completely drained his confidence. You you're very firmly believe it's psychological at this point, don't you? I think there's... Yeah, I think there's definitely a big element of that. And, and again, I think that there are some people who would look at that and who would hear that and think... Yeah. Oh, is he just mentally weak or whatever? No, I don't think it's that at all. I no. think injuries are, are extremely difficult to deal with. You talk to any footballer, it's the, it's it's the worst part of the job is dealing with injuries. And I think, as you say, just the particular weirdness of his injury and the fact that there was no real answer, you know, and they had to put him through multiple scans to to convince him that it wasn't, you know, going to cause him a big issue and that he could play through the pain. Um, everything that sort of Dan- and this is based on sort of Danny Cowley's description of it. So you know, I've not spoken to to Pritchard himself about it, which I would I would like to do to be fair. But from the way Danny Cowley always described it, it did seem like there was a big psychological element to it, which is I'm I'm very very sympathetic with because as as you, you might know yourself, I know you've had injuries playing and in, you know your sort of your Sunday league career, and it, it does change the way that you play. You don't take risks that 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 maybe you should because you're worried about. You know, oh, if I turn too quickly, is it gonna? You know, is my leg gonna snap off? Kind of thing. So it's uh, it's a tricky one, but I don't think it's all just that. And I, I think the fact that he's been played in multiple roles and his his position keeps getting switched every six months, to be honest, hasn't hasn't helped him particularly. It's not like he's been playing at number ten for the last three years and it's never happened. He's been played on the left wing, right wing, central midfield, attacking midfield. You know, he's, he has been shuttled about a bit and Town have played multiple different systems. So, yeah, it's... Uh, but it's 
I, I agree with you. I don't think he's a lost cause at all, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him, you know, if of all the players that Town have who you'd expect to see an improvement out of, you know, he probably has the biggest upside of anyone. And we know that, unlike some of the others who you'd say that about, we know that he can do it at this level because he has done it year after year. Mm. Um, it's just, how do you get him there? Yeah, I, I think it's psychological too. I think he needs... I think he needs players around him who are in form, which is a big thing, um, making the runs so he can start seeing the gaps again. But I also, it's quite interesting watching his body language. He's so frustrated. He's so frustrated with himself um, that you've got to be careful. That becomes a cycle as well. Um, So I hope somebody is sort of recognising that and, and putting their arm around him a bit because he he knows he's not performing where he wants to be and where his ability yeah. is um and that's that's a, a big thing in of, of itself really but there was there were some other performances i think it's worth pointing out i thought dear Carby, for me actually had probably his best game in a Huddersfield Town shirt. And it was a very different role, but I thought he actually did it really well. Yeah, Harry Toffolo talked in the build-up to the game about how in this system, everyone has... It's it's much more man-to-man than, than it is to do with shape. Um, and he obviously was, was put up against Max Arendt and he followed him all over the place, which, as Matt Glennon noted on, on Radio Leeds, is what allowed Toffolo to then go and follow Cantwell and, and Dowell about the place because he knew that Diacarby was was covering the 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 fullback who was coming up on the overlap and he really did put in a shift. I thought he was I thought he was better in same as a lot of town players to be fair better in the first half than the second. Yeah. Um, but in attack as well, he put some he actually put some crosses into to good areas. He wasn't putting them out for throw-ins like he did in the Rochdale game. And I, I didn't realise that some people might have seen that I initially gave him a, a lower mark than he actually deserved on the play ratings because I didn't realise that he, he seemed to have a little bit of a twinge in the second half. Nothing serious, but it was just a um, a little bit of a knock maybe that, that, that forced him out of the game and I didn't uh, I hadn't picked up on that. So, um, yeah, no, I, I know that, um, that Glennon was, was quite impressed and you obviously were as well yeah because I think it showed a different side that we've just not seen and out of him which was discipline because he was he was clever enough to see not only what he had to do but he was clever enough to pick up on Campwell or Dow's run so Mm. that he knew instinctively he was dropping back into that role so that Toffolo could go over and you don't leave a big gap so I, I thought he did pretty well but again we're talking about defensively and containing um and that that's really where the sort of better part of town's game was really in that they did they they did okay in certain areas of the pitch not not great in others you know um i think it's worth talking about pippa as well yeah really really good debut again first half in particular there are a couple of moments where to be honest he should have set Bakuna up for a goal and i'm sure we'll come on to Bakuna shortly but um yeah he played a nice one two with Bakuna and and for whatever reason, Bakuna just didn't quite read Pippa's intentions for for the final ball. And if he'd been a little bit more alert to to what Pippa was trying to do, he would have run onto that and spanked it into the you know the far bottom corner. So, um, and there are a couple of other bits, a couple of other moments where he got to the byline as well. And we we were, I think we said on this podcast last week, the report we got on Pippa was, you know, he's a um, really good going forward, but perhaps quite lacking in defence. And he actually did all right in defence. I thought he got he got back well. He made a one recovery tackle, sort of particularly stands out in the second half. 
he he didn't. I I wasn't looking at him thinking, why aren't you getting back like like we were with Flo Hadjani at times last season. Um, he, uh, good old he, Flo. <laughs> he was, you know, I'm not saying he was. It was the perfect defensive performance, but he was getting back. He was getting into position. He was, it, yeah. I, I thought it was really encouraging to see him get into have get off to such a good start and not just for him but also for the recruitment team who have had a lot of stick uh i think a lot of it probably fair um over the last few years that they've got a player who fits the system and has slotted in and it is a first impression we have to say that you know he, he could you know go on to be a, a dreadful signing from here but the indication on uh on that first impression is he looks like a really shrewd bit of business and you know credit credit to them for that to be fair yeah, and he was also up against uh, Hernandez, who's one of the better mm. um, better wingers he'll face, to be fair, as well. So, yeah, I, I, I thought he was sort of broadly fine. You know, there was, as you said, there was that moment where he did really well to get forward and pull it back to Bakuna, and Bakuna had taken his eye off the ball slightly, and by the time the pass came back to him, he wasn't in the position where he should be, really. But Bakuna is, is, is a funny one. Bakuna was... The the thing about Bakuna that's so frustrating, and we both, I know we both feel exactly the same here, which is that it, that footballer can do anything you want with a football. He he's that he's got that level of raw ability and raw talent. We we've seen him do things, we've seen him play passes, we've seen bits of control, we've seen him taking round players, and he's he can be absolutely outstanding. Mm. But he also can there's just he can go through games like the Norwich game where there's just so little energy in his performance that he feels it feels like he's sort of ambling around and he's he's not sprinting at the right times and it he must be an absolute nightmare for a manager and there was for instance there was a moment about 10 minutes before half time where he won the ball and he was in a good position and he just backheeled it straight out of play and not only did he backheel it straight out of play i think it was possibly Pippery was looking for who was like 15 yards away it was it jonathan hogg i think i uh, was it hog but he wasn't even close and mm. like his manager went absolutely ballistic at him and to the point where he had to go and sit down for 30 seconds to calm himself down <laughs> yeah it was i highlighted this i wrote a piece about bakuna on uh on monday night and yeah, it, it, I highlighted that exact moment. It was, uh, yeah, Ben Jackson had won the ball and the loose ball just came to Pacuna. And yeah, if he'd played it back to Hogg, and Hogg wasn't like sprinting clear, there was no reason for Pacuna to think that this was the right idea. If he just played a nice, simple square ball back to Hogg and then turned and run back the other way, he would have been in behind the defence for Hogg mm. to, to dink it over the top for him. It, it was that. You know, because they'd just won the ball. That's the whole reason you play pressing football. And instead, he tries this silly little trick. And we've, we've, it's a constant criticism we've had. And you could probably, you know, go back and listen to the podcast from this time last year and we'd be saying the same thing, which is he always takes, he always needs two touches. Yeah. And always takes one or three. Yeah. (laughs) And, 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 and kills moves as a result. And it's, it's so frustrating because there were so many moves that were built up, that, particularly up that right-hand side, because obviously he was playing on the right wing. Playing on that right-hand side with Pippa, where he, he built up the move and things were looking promising, either with Pippa or Karoma, who was at centre-forward. And then his final ball, he would just try something stupid or yeah. have a little little momentary the, lapse like with that cutback and the whole thing would fall apart it's like are you actually i don't know if you're good or not <laughs> yeah this is the thing this it, he is 
like if you with a ball at his feet, I bet in training he's absolutely sensational. I do, yeah, like, the, just they do, have a bit in the they have a bit in the program where they ask you know most skillful, longest in the shower, etc. And and he always is mentioned as most skillful. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me at all because some of the things he does are just absolutely brilliant. But then there was another moment in the second half where his manager again had to go and sit himself down to stop himself exploding, <laughs> which is where he got the ball, took it past the man. He was in space, just inside his own half. There was two balls on, which was, I think, one was to get Pippa down the wing and one was just to play it square to Pritchard, who was looking forward. So you'd argue had a better vision of the game. And he tried to pick out a, like a 30-yard ball with the outside of his foot from a like standing position. And it just went out for a throw-in. And again, you sit there thinking it's just... It's so frustrating because he doesn't need to do that. And like the Cowley said with him, when they got him playing really, really well for that spell, you know, like the Blackburn game and where he had all those assists in about... It was four assists in three o- games or something. October, November, yeah. He yeah. got three goals and like an assist or something like that they yeah. kept telling him specifically simplicity is genius mm. and i wish he would have learned from that i wish he would mm. because i don't see any evidence of on on what i've seen so far i don't see any evidence of that having stuck for the longer term <laughs> he's he's like he's like i've been playing nba 2k20 recently and it's when you play career mode in that you're constantly calling for the ball and taking three three pointers that that inevitably don't go in and Bakuna just feels like that. You have to learn in that game when to, to, to pass it to your teammates and not to call for the pass sometimes. And Bakuna feels like that. Is is that people always used to say Stephen Gerrard was was Hollywood, but but Bakuna is is I don't know what he is, Bollywood maybe. Yeah. Just the, the that extra level of, of extravagance um but with what he tries. Can, you can only ever give him like his mark is always the same for me in terms of the overall game because (laughs) he has moments where he's a 9 out of 10 and he has moments where he's a 1 out of 10 so Mm. he's a 5 permanently even in really good games which is really it sounds really tough on the lab but again it's that thing about he needs to like we can see that one thing Carlos wants to do is get bodies forward and he wants some speed in his play again he was going mad at players taking an extra touch and not playing it first time and the the lack of confidence in, in the forward passing is something he's really got to work on. But Bakuna needs to learn to to go er, to basically go early, go quick, and play the ball early as well. And mm-hmm. at the moment, it, like Saturday was just another one of those sort of Bakuna performances where the game happens to him rather than him actually influencing yeah. it. And for a player of his raw talent, that's just it's criminal, really. Yeah, and and I think to be fair, I mean we've talked through several players there, and we had a few last week as well, where we're saying they've got all the potential and they're just not doing it. And I think this might be where you are a little bit uh, more negative than me after that game. Is I can understand how they've looked at Carlos Corbran and looked at looked at that criticism of so many players and gone, well, if we get a coach who does get something out of them, then we've got a good side here. And I think that logic is sound. And uh, I think we've seen. I mean, the the Rochdale game was was pretty dire, but this was a step forward at least. And I think it, whatever you say, it's you can at least see what they're trying to do, as as I think we've said. And 
you can see that the players are, are willing to try and do it. You know, they are they're not doing it very well when it comes to the final third, but they are trying to to stick to the system and stick to the ideas and and do what Corbrand wants of them, which I guess you would expect this early in a managerial reign, but it just that just makes me think, well, maybe we are going to see an improvement out of and it's not going to be all of them. Uh, you know, there's four or five, six, seven who we would say need to do better. And let's be honest, three of them probably, four of them, five of them are never going to step up. But if they even get two or three playing to that better level, you know, if they get Pritchard back to where he was when he was playing for Brentford and Norwich, or if they get Bakuna doing what we think he's capable of, or they get Diakabi playing like that more regularly, then perhaps there's something there. Um, but as you say, it's the worry is is that the best they could is that against Norwich the best they could have done, and we're celebrating a one nil defeat on the basis that it wasn't three. Yeah, I th- there's other factors that go into a game. It's not all about statistics or systems or tactics. You know, the the referee had a very weird game as well. Mm-hmm. At, yeah, missed two penalties for Norwich. I didn't actually pick up on the handball one that you did uh, from Bakuna in the first half. So the the mere fact that I didn't really pick up on that, I thought they were claiming for a shove, probably shows that it wasn't quite as clear cut. No. But- I I didn't I went with the naked eye I didn't see anything and then I saw the replay and it was a yeah it was a but the the tackle was you know it was oh. so late it was early for the Brentford <laughs> game wasn't it really it was it, it, it that was as stonewall a penalty as you possibly get but then also you think it's an orange card I still think that's a red card for Campwell on Stearman because I. You can't measure it on intent or result. You can only say, was he out of control? And I think he was out of control. I thought he was dangerous. You know, so doesn't matter whether he means it or not. And it doesn't matter whether Stearman brushes it off or ends mm. up with a broken cheekbone. You can only go on the actual challenge. And I thought he was... He, he he wasn't looking, but he went up with his arm and he threw his arm out there, which is not is not the way to win that header in that position of the pitch. So I, I think he should have gone. I really do. And yeah, I think fair enough. They, I wouldn't argue too hard with it, to be fair. And then I I think that directly influences the result because do you, go on. You know, How so? I I think he was a bit groggy, and I think he did feel that, and I I think. I think without that challenge, I'm not sure he plays that pass like that. He, he The problem was, at that moment in time, he wanted a couple of quiet minutes. He didn't want to be on the ball at all just to get his get his bearings back and all that sort of thing. And he plays that horrible ball basically without... It's a terrible ball because he hasn't looked at the whole picture, but then he also underhits it for what he was trying to do anyway. So it's just it's it's just frankly I'm not trying to excuse him here, but I think that's that that is a contributory factor, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, as I say, I wouldn't argue too hard against it. I, I I'm just looking at it now and his elbow is is there. I'm anyway, I'm not I'm not gonna to argue too hard about it. But it was Shame for Richard Stearman, I think, because he actually had a really good game. And again, I always say it, player ratings are meaningless, don't read anything into them. Because I had to mark him down for that mistake, because it ultimately it cost town the point. But it was a genuinely a really good performance other than that. And, you know, he was one that we kind of maybe wrote off, particularly after Nabi Saar, who was signed since we last recorded. After Nabi Saar signed, it was like, well, this is the end of of Richard Stearman here really as a Huddersfield Town player he's, he's barely going to play um, once Sarah is in because we're not sure that he has 
what you need to play in this core brand system, which is, you know, mid central defenders who are more confident on the ball and, you know, who like to have it and can get the play going because steering isn't, isn't that. But he actually had a really good game and tried to show that he can be that kind of player. You know, he's mm. 33 years old and he's still trying to show he's got other strings to his bow. And I think you have to admire that. You know, he was trying to was show couple, that he's capable on the ball. He completed a couple of take-ons as well. There was, And there was yeah, a really exactly. good one where he, he basically took two Norwich players out of the game simply by a very simple, you know, feint to clear it long and just came inside and took another touch. And... So yeah, I, I, I as I said, I think I think getting whacked on the head with that degree of force then contributes to him in making that decision and just getting it all wrong, you know, not a couple of minutes later. And that the thing about that goal is it's just it's a really horrible goal to concede because the pass looks bad and everybody everybody in that defence is suddenly panicking because if you look at that goal, everybody is trying to do something last ditch. <laughs> It's like everybody yeah. is trying to get there. Everybody is trying to slide in. Everybody is just half a yard too late for everything. Mm-hmm. But the rea- listen, there's a reality to be faced, and that's that Norwich deserve to win the game. And if people want to, if if I saw a lot of people saying that a draw would be a fair result, but the only measure you've got really statistically of whether a team can win the game or should win the game is XG. And XG is a sort of slightly weird, fabled concept to some. And a lot of people immediately, as soon as I said that, will have switched off. And I get that because me and you both know it's not the sexiest concept in the world, is it, Steve? But No, and, and on an individual game basis, it's... You know, yeah. it's it's its purpose is more of an indicator of longer term yeah. health of a club. Yeah. But the thing about that, what XG does, is it gives you uh, on an individual game basis, it gives you an idea if you were to play that game again, what Norwich could roughly expect to get out of it on another day from the yeah. chances that were created. And the simple fact is that Norwich's XG was two point three, so they could feasibly expect to score two goals. Out of out of that game, and Huddersfield Towns was 0.3, which was yeah. the lowest in the division. Um, I think Derby were above them on 0. Uh, just I think 0.45, mm-hmm. and that is really worrying. I mean, first that their XG first half, Steve, was 0. 0.1. Yeah, which the is tenth of a goal. It, it is is terrible. That it's if basically you, nothing. Yeah, if you go player by player, the top three players. Uh, all Norwich players, obviously, and all outscore Huddersfield Town XG wise individually. Mm. It's that that is a, a slightly worrying measure because you're right in that <laughs> you can't look at XG on an individual basis. So you have to go back and look at it over last season. And the thing about Town's XG from last season is that they were they scored the exact amount of goals they were supposed to, which is quite unusual when you think that uh brentford for example were were minus it minus 11 in terms basically they could have expected to score 11 more goals leeds could have expected to score six more goals i think town basically took their best chances and scored Mm. so they didn't get anything that was slightly difficult or outside the realm of what you would class easy is a very basic way to look at it and that's a worry because we've had two games rochdale and norwich and there's no actual sign of any improvement there for a kickoff. Mm. 
and I know we've got we've got a very small sample size here, and I know things have have got to move forward. But when you dig into the attacking statistics, it becomes extremely stark. Steve, you might mm-hmm. know this off the top of your head, but last season, in just in terms of minutes as a percentage. Over the entire course of the season, how long do you think Huddersfield Town actually spent winning a game? <laughs> I don't know this. Um, I mean, it can't be very much. Um, 16.6% of their entire really? season, they were in front in a game, which yeah. the only... Uh, they, there's the, obviously the lowest in the division, but if you take a relegated club like Hull, 18%, yeah. so, you know, quite a chunk of the head, but if you look at some of the other clubs in the league it's uh, it's it, frankly it's vaguely ridiculous and that give is us a, a mid-table club give us you know red well hat. if you if you look even at if you look at stoke who i think we all agree had a, a very underwhelming unflattering season last year for the squad yeah. they had they spent 28.5 percent of the season winning games in front in games so when you look at town 16 percent, that really does hammer home how lucky they were to be perfectly honest with you, to, to stay up. They spent 52% of games drawing, which is about average. Well, they, that's slightly above average, really. And and uh, 32% of games, they 32% of their time, they were behind. What that shows more than anything, that 32% is all it took for them to lose, is and the XG. When you put it all together, you come to one conclusion, Steve. Bear in mind, they scored 52 con- goals, conceded 70, which was... 70 was not bad last season, to be fair. Not bad at mm-hmm. all. But the inescapable conclusion is that you need to score once to beat Huddersfield Town. Yeah. That is the the really stark reality of where we are. And we lost to Rochdale 1-0, and we just lost to Norwich 1-0. <laughs> And other teams are going to score more than one goal, Steve. Other teams, when they hit their straps, are going to score two, three, four. Mm -hmm. And this is where my worry is coming from, from that game. It's not that I thought that Town's performance was particularly bad, but I've not seen anything that is pushing the statistical needles yet in any meaningful way. And like I know a lot of people don't like stats in football, but you can't ignore longer-term trends. And you can't ignore things that are right there in front of your face. It's easy to say that Town don't score enough goals. But when you see how stark it actually is, it's it's a real worry. And Danny Ward coming in, a fully fit, doesn't sort that problem, Steve. Because it's not about who plays as your striker through the middle. All Town's chance creation stats, anything you want to ask me, they will be in the bottom three of the division. So they, mm-hmm. they would have been relegation form for anything you want to throw at me for last season. And we haven't got a massive sample size for this season, but again, we're, we're not seeing improvements. There's not, you know, passes made and pass completion hasn't significantly changed yet, despite this change of style and everybody saying they can see what, what he's doing. So it's not that I think Carlos Corbran is the wrong man or is, this is the wrong philosophy or anything like that. My big worry from that game is... This this could get significantly worse, even if Town get quite a bit better. <laughs> it it really yeah. is that stark, you know. I th- that's all really interesting. I think 
Is there an argument, though, that, that we're looking at last season's stats and this is precisely the reason that they decided to make the, the managerial change, that they decided to get rid of the Cowleys because they felt like they weren't getting they weren't getting that creativity out of them and that they needed a manager who was going to get more out of them in attack and that they felt that they could do that through coaching? Is, is, is there an argument to that? Ed? I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's exactly the case. But when you say get more out of them in attack, when you dig down into the statistics, it's not a case of getting more out of them in attack. It's you've got to get double or more out of some of them. Mm-hmm. To, like you look at the assists, Town's top assist maker last season was uh, Bakuna with five. Six, I think was it five? Yeah, yeah five. And I went through the championship assist makers and do you know where that puts him on the list of top assist makers last season go on 59th yeah you've got to go through 59 championship players before you get to a Huddersfield Town player on the assist list then you've got Grant who's on four and it's it's again it's impossible to like Mateus Pereira for West Brom assisted 17 goals last season in a good side who got promoted. But out of the 52 that Town scored, Opta only defined 34 of them as assisted goals. Mm. So, and what that means is, we, you know, if if somebody robs a defender and scores, there's no assist on that. If yeah. the keeper makes a very weak attempt at a save and it bounces out to a striker who tucks it in, there's no assist on that. So the the dearth of creativity is stark. We're not talking about getting a little bit more from the players are there. We're talking about like genuinely everybody has got to up it by twenty, thirty percent plus they've all got to start scoring. That's the other side of it, Steve. You can't have Dear Carbian and Benza can suddenly come on and start playing really, really well and assist a few. But they've also got a chip in themselves. They're losing Grant and Mounier. And those goals have got to be spread out this year. Mm. And nobody's got any confidence in front of goal. It's it's a worry. And it's not... I don't want to be downbeat. And I wanted to look at this statistically four or five games in. But I I, I looked this week and it really does show this... The, <laughs> it really does show the ground they've got to make up. And I'm positive that... If they feel Carlos was the right move, then good for them. I'm positive that the philosophy is right. They have to be more attacking. They've got to find ways to score. They've got to find ways to get on the front foot. I've no issues with them doing this, but the the bridge they have to gap uh, to to gap the gap they have to bridge even. Uh, they're they're massive. They're huge. Absolutely mm. huge. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that's fair. I think from speaking to people at the club, I think there is kind of a. Um, an acceptance of that as well. Not an acceptance is the wrong word, but they, I think they recognise that. Um, and I think particularly given the nature of the fixture list, they, they know that this is going to be a very tough start. Um, and I think they are banking on that improvement happening. And, you know, we, we spoke after they sat the Cowleys um, saying that, that they've put a lot of pressure on themselves and people have spoken to it. The club have said, yeah, we have. We know we have. Um, but we felt like we we had to make this change, and this this was our best chance of of taking the club forward. I think the other thing is, you know, are they going to get more signings in? Because because that that complexion could change over the next few weeks. And I think you and I both think they need more than perhaps they're realistically going to be able to sign. But you know, we've not seen Naby Sarr in the side yet. 
um, and he's not going to he, be able to play against Brentford. But, but again, sorry, uh, he will make a big difference, and he's very, very good, and he's a ball-playing central defender. He's he's a rare a rare beast, really, because he is a really good physical challenge for any striker, and he's tall, but he's also really intelligent, and he's good on the ball. It's a very mm. solid signing, Sar. You know, it's a really solid, good signing. But defensively, I would argue, is not where Town's problems are. However, you think whatever you think of Schindler and Stearman, etc., etc., their defensive record is is actually is not that bad, and probably mm. what kept them in the division last season, realistically. And I know the defence has to provide the pl- the platform for the attack, and the new way is playing out to get people on the front foot. But they've got to, they need a Nabisar level signing in other areas of the pitch too Steve yeah I would agree with that I, I think they certainly need a I thought Jonathan Hogg was actually good um, against Norwich to be fair to him but I think they need a, a defensive midfielder and we've said it for a long time a defensive midfielder who is capable of quarterbacking and I believe that's exactly the kind of profile of player that they're looking for you know almost another um, another Chalibur um, mm. is is almost sort of the, the the criteria from what i understand so that would uh although actually funnily enough he struggled in defense midfield but you you get the idea that that profile player who can is as comfortable playing a, a pass over 40 yards as he is over five in fact with chalibur it was it was more comfortable playing a pass over 40 yards than it was over five um they also haven't ruled out bringing in any attacking reinforcements and <laughs> The the word kind of is that that Carlos Corbran is is happy with his um with his attacking options at the moment. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure whether I believe that. I wonder if that might be a bit of expectations management going on. Yeah. Um, and you know, Mounier's gone, and we expect Grant will probably leave if they can you know just crack this deal with with West Brom. I think everyone's motivated to get that deal done, which hopefully means that that it will happen. Uh, <laughs> I think for all we've seen positives out of Diakabi in this game and, and Benzer against Rochdale, they still need more up top there. And they keep getting linked with centre-forwards, which is, uh, I know that they want Danny Ward to be their, their first choice, number nine, but we're talking as his backup of, of a 33-year-old Fraser Campbell who scored three goals last season. And we know that, that Campbell brought a lot to the team defensively, pressing from the front, etc. And I've, you know, we've talked about this a lot last season. But if you want another goal scorer there, he's not it. And I guess this is kind of tying into the point that you're making. It's just there's there's not a lot of goals in that side. And it's hard to see any of them becoming a 10-goal-a-season a player, which they're going to need, particularly if... if Colin Grantley. Yeah, I. When you worry about how many goals they're going to score, and you look, and nobody is creating enough chances, that's not a good combination. <laughs> it's not a good place to be. And I, I'm not. As I said, I'm not being downbeat about the style of play or the manager or anything like that. I, I think they've gone with the manager. That's fine. I think the philosophy is good. Makes complete sense. I think you can see. Um, you can see in the Rochdale game and the Norwich game, I think you can see flashes of, of where they want to be and what they want to do. But I think you just got to be realistic about the, the, the amount of work there is to do. The, the, it's, I don't like to say it, but survival is already looking like it's potentially the achievement for the season. And we all want to talk about progress. And me and you 
don't want another season like last season. It's not like we were desperate for the Cowlists to say because we were on the edge of our seat every game, Steve, is it? Or anything like that. We we want Town to be successful. We want them to play really good stuff and we want everybody to be excited about watching them. But I think Saturday for me was the real... The, it was the game reality hit home about how much work there is in almost every area of the pitch ahead after a very shortened pre-season in a difficult recruitment window with a tricky set of fixtures going is it no is it november or december that it just backs off slightly and you look and you think well that's slightly easier but then no it's december there's nine games isn't there in december that's right yeah i think it's yeah. november where it just looks slightly more not not quite as daunting but they've got uh, they they really have got to pick points up in that that <laughs> that part of the season or they're into december and it's february march and april have all got really difficult fixtures. Uh, you you've pointed to Easter as a, a time where mm. if they're not in form and they're not this isn't working, they're gonna it, it's gonna be difficult. Um and I just I there are positives to take, but there are also like there's also a sort of reality check as well. Thanks for all the uh the positives there then Dave. <laughs> no, but it's... there is because you can see the style that they want to play. It is easier on the eye and you know, we've praised Pippa, we've praised mm-hmm. the job Toffolo did, which we've praised Diacarbi's discipline, um, and we've picked out other things between us, Steve. And I still, as I said, I want to make it clear, I'm not saying that Carlos is doing anything wrong or that Town have been wrong to do this. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is is it, it, it's just what we have to see over the next five games, is even if they lose the next five, Steve, some of those statistical things I've talked about, the gaps need to narrow. Mm-hmm. they've got to get close to where they need to be i think there's there was i mean we talk about stearman's error um and i thought it was interesting and correct as well that after the game i asked carlos corbran about you know um or i didn't actually some we asked carlos corbran about whether the the elbow to the head might have affected richard stearman and etc etc and he said well i don't know if it did he said but but I'm paraphrasing it, obviously. The, but basically, we went backwards from a throw-in that was in their third, and we ended up passing it backwards to the to the halfway line, and we put ourselves in trouble by doing that. And we need to learn how to, you know, if we'd been attacking from that throw-in, we wouldn't have conceded, is mm. effectively what he said. And I think that, that that sort of goal almost sums up Huddersfield Town perfectly, which is they, they were in a good position, if <laughs> they needed to create something, they didn't, and it ended up costing them dear, partly because they shot themselves in the foot by making a mistake like that. So, yeah, I mean, as you say, there's a lot that needs to change. I, I'm, I'm a little bit more confident than you that they, and I don't know why, it's just a feeling I've got, but I'm a little bit more confident than you that, that they might be able to get more out of those players and, and that, I, that I hopefully think they will. will. I, th- I, I genuinely think they will. I... <sighs> From pre-season in the first two games, I think me and you both feel that he might be able to get a tune out of Diakarbian and Benza, or at least one of them. And I think he can probably bring Pritchard's level up a bit. I think that midfielder recruitment makes a big difference. I, I think there's they're definitely going to improve. As I said, my point is like the the, the margin they need to improve is is big. <laughs> is big. And if they do it and if they get there, then you have to turn around and you have to praise not only Carlos but 
you have to praise Phil Hodgkinson because he's he's managed to go and get a genius. But the one thing they can't do is if things are taking longer and if things are if if the gap is closing in various areas but it's down to not having the personnel when the transfer window is not open and various other things they've got to hold their nerve as well (laughs) and I know it's easy for me and you to sit here and say that because we've talked about it before we're invested neutrals over fans but everybody is going to have to have some patience It, it could get considerably worse before it gets a hell of a lot better. Yeah. But I do think it will get better. I'm not It's just whether it that won't. comes in time to stave off relegation, I guess. Yeah. From it, your perspective. And, and there's also degrees of better. You know, everything yeah. might look better and town may play some really nice stuff, but it, if it still only takes one goal to beat them by Christmas, that's a huge issue. <laughs> a yeah. huge, huge issue. So what I really what I'm really saying is that town have just got to get to the position where <laughs> They, they've got a fighting chance in any game that a team scores a goal in, which is yeah. not where they are right now, which is pretty stark. But I think they will get there. That has to be their first objective. Yeah. Uh, not massive high hopes for Brentford then, I expect. I don't know, because Brentford are wobbling. Brentford yeah. don't look right at all. Um, Lost to Birmingham at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah. I, and I very much feel that, like, I know we've just been through some of the areas that Town have got to work on, but I also feel that uh, playing a passing side who are going to come out to them and leave some gaps and leave some spaces on the pitch probably plays into Carlos's philosophy a little bit and where he wants them to be. Um, so if they get Brentford on a bad day, uh, you know, who knows? But I I really want to be talking... I, like I want to watch that Brentford game and I want to come out of it just feeling like a couple of percent better than I felt after Norwich, and yeah. that'll that'll do. Because if you just can te- if you can track the progress, if you can see the signs, then you have to sort of keep faith that it will come, even if it takes time. I don't put it this way. I, I'm not sitting here thinking Town are going to get absolutely spanked in that game or anything like that. I don't think they're going to lose it like three or four, but they've got a score. <laughs> they've yeah. got a score, and that's that's the that's the big issue. Like, if you were to predict it right now, Steve, be honest, what, what are you going for? I've said 2-1 to Brentford in the Brentford programme, so I'm going to stick with that. See, but... I, I probably would have gone with 2-0 Brentford. Yeah, yeah. But even a draw would be That would be massive. a great result. I mean, any any draw away from home in this division is great, yeah. so particularly against Brentford. And it feels like with the, the, the sort of the range of issues town have got and trying to implement a new philosophy and having a whole new coaching staff and analysts, etc., getting that first point is going to be a big thing for this team. It's going to be a big moment. Yeah, definitely. I've, I, I agree with that. Magic, I think we're about coming up on time there, so we'd better wrap up. Uh, thanks for coming on, Dave. It's all right. I was recording myself. Um, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think we're... Um, I think we're coming up on time though, so I think we'd better wrap up. Thanks for joining me, Dave, uh, this afternoon. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a few more positives to talk about after the Brentford game. And you know, as you say, it's not like there were none from that Norwich no. game, and there were signs of progress. And you know, it's but it's yeah, it, it it just the problem the problem they've got is that this isn't sort of a series of preseason games. Like this is actually the championship that they're playing in now, and. They need to start picking up points sooner or later. It's exactly the same as we said last week. You know that they they we can look for all the signs of progress in the world, but at some point they need to start picking up points, and they can't 
go into this season with this kind of handicap that they had that they gave themselves last year by not getting points on the board I suppose no because they've not gotten a manager anymore who, who will grind through a game just to get something from it they they've they've wedded themselves to a philosophy which is absolutely fine which is a very positive thing but yeah that getting that first point um or you know either win or draw is going to be a really significant moment you feel for this team to to build on magic brilliant thanks for joining us this afternoon and dave uh you're at david hartrick on twitter i'm at stephen chicken on twitter and we will see you next time goodbye see you.